I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast presented by Leaning. I am your usual host, Matthew Wellington. I'm joined tonight once again by Mike Miller. Hello. Playoff ready with his shoe on. No shoes on, flip-flops kicked to the side, <laughs> sweating in a box room. Yeah, it's just far too hot in the in the UK this week. Um, or the, so to say, this weekend we had a uh, we had obviously a bank holiday weekend, and it was lovely and sunny, which I think it is was. the first one in a long while. I spent mine in a small bathroom redecorating, <laughs> and I built a desk and went to the pub. That was about it. We, well, I went to watch the football, and then we ended up just going to the beer garden. It was too nice, so. Yeah, football got pushed to the side, which which gets pushed so to the side most, most of the time when it's me, to be honest. I get dragged out by my mates, and then I try and show them like a highlight from a playoff game, and nobody has any interest. Um, it's a bit upsetting. But my, one of my uh, one of my best friends is slowly getting into uh, the the NBA, courtesy of LeBron James. So I've got to thank LeBron James for that one. <laughs> well, if there's if there's someone to get someone into the NBA, the way he's playing right now, that's probably the guy. Yeah. So we actually do have to apologise. Uh, we haven't done a show in what two weeks now um yeah we missed one week but we missed yeah, we weeks. missed one week but it technically works out as two because when we record we send it over to jamie who lives in brooklyn and he edits it for us overnight and then it goes up on a tuesday morning um so obviously because we're a british podcast we fight time difference anyway um which can make things a bit difficult so we're going to try and not touch on the games which are taking place um tonight slash tomorrow so when you hear this it would have been the games that took place in the morning um so that's rockets jazz game five and uh, game five of the warriors and pelicans so we're going to try and avoid talking about those matchups because it would just it just dates far too quickly um or we could just be really clever and say the both series ended in five games like, <laughs> we're, bang on, we're bang on the money don't, don't need to say anything we won't spoil it too much well we could yeah um <laughs> But I mean, I mean, I guess we should start with um, with last night's games, the uh, the 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 month, sorry, the Sunday, the Monday night matchups. Um, so the whole weekend has just rolled into to one. I don't really know what day it is. Um, <laughs> Raptors Cavs is over. The Cavs sweep the Raptors for the second straight season. They beat the Raptors in the playoffs for the third straight season in the semifinals. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what more there. There is to say about um, the Toronto Raptors. When we didn't pod last week, I thought it'd be a good idea to do a roundtable of some of our um, some of our writers and put up our thoughts on the series. And it's safe to say many of us got many of them wrong um, because the way Nick they... Whitfield didn't. Nick uh, Whitfield didn't. Like, when well, I read you know, the article, I was like, "Get in there, Nick." Well, fight, Nick, fight, Nick works for Fever, fight. so you know he's obviously he's got the insider knowledge. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it was a, a massive disappointment for for Raptors fans. Absolutely, like, and I mean, you go through the the, the first game losing one hundred thirteen to one hundred twelve in overtime after being up double digits and missing what seemed to be the last twenty shots. It was just that was that was the one game they they had to win and they didn't win it. And game two, Cleveland came in. LeBron did what LeBron does and it was, he was hitting fadeaways left, right and centre and nobody could stop him that night. It got back to Cleveland and you just knew that it was, if they won game three, it was all over and they won game three in the most 
epic of fashions. Now people are talking down LeBron James's game winner because it, obviously the score were t- the scores were the, the scores were tied when when he took that shot, so it's not as significant um, as, See, as other that. game winners. No, I don't either. <laughs> See, so what we're saying is, they weren't winning when he took the shot. They won when the shot went through. Yeah, like it. Get out. Oh, there's less pressure. Well, oh, no. Yeah, like I see what people are saying. Like, but don't don't take away from it. It was an, it's an amazing shot against really good defense. Someone today, you saw it, said uh, they thought it was a travel. <laughs> and I thought at first, I was like, is this sarcasm? Yeah, and he was being like, serious. Are we talking about the same shot? And then I was just like, I can't believe this. So I watched it like four times. I was like, I must have missed something. And I was just like... Maybe they got confused with the one he hit against the Pacers in the first round. Maybe. And, and CJ Miles did play for the Pacers at one point. He was <laughs> definitely in the photo that was used. Yeah, he is. No, that that is the point. But that game three from LeBron, 41 minutes, 38 points, just an unbelievable game. Another big showing from Kevin Love. And that's the thing we saw in the, the game that took place last night as well. The the other guys, as the SNL uh, sketch showed this week, <laughs> stepping up and uh, having a... I think they had 66 combined points. Which which obviously helped them last night, and they were well ahead at half time, and they they ended up winning by thirty five points in the end. They had a sixteen point lead at one stage. It was just it, it, ne- it never looked like they were going to to give up their their stranglehold on the series. And yeah, get, I mean, game three is is memorable for for many reasons. And you know, if you're a British NBA fan, seeing OJ Ananobi out there hitting a big uh, game time three towards the end was was brilliant i watched that and cheered my head off and then two seconds later mm-hmm. i was sobbing my eyes out um, <laughs> <laughs> because because lebron uh is is the destroyer of dreams um and yeah it's been like it hasn't been as hotly contested as i i say the paces and the calves were and um victor Oladipo was on tnt the other night and was was quite adamant and saying that it seems like the paces are very pissed off with the way the raptors played um but last night's game four performance, <laughs> they just gave up and it, it was embarrassing. And if you're a Raptors fan, what do you do with, with this team? I mean, LeBron's obviously got the better of you, but where where do you go next? I mean, there's rumours today that Dwayne Casey is on the chopping block, which seems a tad unfair considering he led the Raptors to their best ever season. You know, they led the Eastern Conference for most of the year. They were top this, 10 in offence and defence. It, it is, yeah. It, like how can you this this guy took a load of crap last year despite despite putting together another good team which changed on the fly with the addition of Backer and, and PJ Tucker put together a good team he was let down by the superstars I know you use air quotes and this year he's revamped everything he's shown flexibility as a coach he's evolved the system he's got a rookie that which you know shout out to to Messiah for uh, for drafting OG but how many rookies would you put on LeBron you've you've got yourself you've, he's put faith in a rookie somehow Valanciunas is working in this system again and best record in franchise history the number 1 seed two really close games in this series and yet it's his fault that they lost and I don't get that at all like to me it's the it's the absolutely down to the players. DeRozan was not regular season DeRozan. It's like he's like the reverse playoff Rondo. <laughs> and hey, p- playoff Rondo's just, real. <laughs> playoff Rondo's re- real. So is playoff DeRozan. 
like I just what did he have six in game three? Uh, uh, yeah, it was three of twelve. It, it was it wasn't it wasn't a a nice night, and he was benched. I think he played twenty seven minutes, and then he got himself ejected in game four last night as well. Um, but I don't know where you go in, with with the team because the way it's built at the moment, you've just given your biggest deal possible to DeRozan to keep him there to be your franchise guy, and it's fair enough because he was it was. You know, one of the rank outsiders for like an, an MVP award yeah. during a regular season, and, and Kyle Lowry stepped up his playoff performance. I think none of the, I don't think anyone should be attacking Kyle Lowry for how he's played in this series. I think he's been the best player on that team. Um, but wh- where do they go? I mean, you blow if you blow it up, like what are the options? It's you, you, you're not gonna suddenly rebuild yourself and become Philly and Boston. And that's the biggest problem they've got at the moment is Boston and Philly have come into this equation out of absolute nowhere the last two, well, this season. You know, Boston are as legit as it gets without their two superstars, which is quite frankly unbelievable. Um, Mm -hmm. And Philly are still young and are going through some growing pains of their own, which we'll get onto in a bit. But Toronto, like they've been here the last, what, three or four or five seasons now? And yeah, this year, this they, is this was their window. This yeah. was like the last window for them. Like it was closing, and I feel like it's it's closed now because they just they've they've shown that they just they just don't have they they don't have what it takes to be. They're a good team. They don't have what it takes to be a very good team. If that makes sense, and I think it's I think it's personnel. I just don't think they have enough players of a high enough talent to beat. The Cavs, which this was the year to do it, because the Cavs have been not as good as they have been in the past. Well, three previous seasons. It is personnel, and it's a mentality problem with the personnel that they've got as well. Like taking Demar Derozan out was a risk from Dwayne Casey, but bringing in you know Fred VanVleet and and playing the other like the bench guys was the biggest reason they got themselves back into game three and, you know, Anobi with, with big plays, like I mentioned, dragging themselves back into it. But that final play, I think is going to be one of the big reasons that if Dwayne Casey does go, that would be why, because he's he came out today and said that he believes there was some miscommunication on how they were going to stop LeBron James. Um, Cause they obviously looked like they were going to double him on the inbound, um, which they did. And then I think it was Pascal Siakam or, or Mobin Anobi, who just sort of sagged off him and left him and let him run up the, the the full length of the court and and just hit that crazy bank shot. You know, you couldn't possibly want to shoot a more difficult two pointer. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, it's it's a it was a runner from on the left, and he 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 always goes to his left though, and that's what I think Dwayne Casey was was trying to was trying to say. He's you know. They knew where he was going. Everyone in the league, every NBA player on Twitter knew where he was going and they could still do but that, nothing that's, about that's it. greatness, surely. It is, but it's also a little bit of probably immaturity on the parts of how easily Anobi got beaten on the perimeter. But well, that's, he's yeah. a rookie. Exactly. He is. Like, I, I, I feel like I give him... I, I feel like I'm a bit of a, a... What is the word? Um... Uh, he, he, had great, boy, he had a great he had a he had a great game in game three. Eighteen exactly. points, seven of twelve, four of seven from downtown. Like he was doing himself proud. Like when when you interviewed him last summer and he made all the statements about you know wanting to play against and guard LeBron James. Like he, he got it, he man. Got it. He got his wish. <laughs> wow. 
and I don't think he did too badly and he he wasn't afraid of the moment and he no he got physical with him and you'd see him bump him and they were actively switching away from him as well trying to get LeBron off him because it was obviously a good, you know a good defensive matchup for for them and they were the Cavs were trying desperately to get LeBron away from him because it meant that they, he then had more of the more of the court like Tristan Thompson was setting a lot of screens and and really getting on Anobi's nerves in game 3 and 4 but you know that's what you you have to do and LeBron James is is greatness like the the questions are coming out over the past couple of weeks about where do you rank him all time like hitting shots like that in situations like that and closing out series that nobody thought they were you know going to close out that easily it's just it is greatness and it, it it's unbelievable to watch him right now he he's top 2 all time <clears throat> and he might be top 1 all time but i've not sat down and gone through uh, my, my faith has been rocked in who the goat is. I'll put it that way, but I, I don't. I've not yet been turned. <laughs> I, need, I need to. I need to. Bill Russell. I need to sit down and go through like lots of things, do lots more research into it. But uh, what we're witnessing now, I, I, I just sit back and just go, wow, because I, I never was like a massive LeBron guy, but mm. watching him do what he does day in day out. It's just, it's incredible. It's, and, it's masterful. And then behind the back yeah. pass last night, which is the highlight reel that's all over the internet today, you know, to do that in a playoff game against a team that was, you know, top 10 in defense during a regular season, like, it, it's it's cocky, but he pulls it off every time. And the, the phenomenal stats are that, you know, the Raptors are the first number one seed in 49 years to, to, to go out and bow out before the conference finals, which is... Not something that they will be be happy Are about. In, in how many years? Forty nine years. At the hand of a sweep or something. Yeah. Right, a sweep. I was going to say. I was like, no, no, no. I'm sure there are there are other number one seeds that have gone out before. Them. Yeah, the hands of but, a broom. But, <laughs> yeah, hands of. Okay, right. Okay, that makes more sense. I I, I accept that fact. <laughs> but then there's like I was browsing uh, Facebook earlier on, and Sports Center fired up a an interesting infographic that had. LeBron James's series stats compared to DeMar, um, DeRozan, and Carl Lowry's, and it's it's eerie that LeBron outplayed their two best players. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now, and uh, 17.8 points, 16.8 points equates to 34 points, <laughs> roughly, which is what LeBron averaged, and it's just 11.3 assists. Well, that that's uh, that's about the same as two point eight and eight point eight. Yeah. Someone else can someone else could do the actual maths. <laughs> and then eight point three rebounds versus seven point five. Yeah, great. And he did it in forty one minutes versus seventy. <laughs> it's uh yeah, he's it it was a case of best player in the series won the series, I guess. But this is where I struggle with DeRozan. It's like this is this is this was the season where he took control of this franchise where Lowry stepped back and it was DeRozan's team. So I've, I've spoken before about their, their, their conflict of, of identities on this team. Yeah. And yet here we are again where he wasn't able to step up and deliver. Like not even, I'm not, I'm not asking him to win the series, but to regress to 16.8 points when you've added the three to your game you're still you've got the elite mid-range game it just i mean we, the Cavs defense is notoriously bad yes they've improved in the playoffs so they always do when the pace slows down they're still not great 
Mm. They just, I just don't understand it. And the way they they gave up that run at the end of the second quarter yesterday, going into the half, I think they stretched it to a sixteen point from about a six point uh, gap. Uh, and then the second half started, and the, they, they just went. It felt like another ten minutes almost before they got a bucket. It wasn't, but it felt like that. And at that point, they just kind of went, "Well, we're on holiday now." Then, yeah, so it's just yeah, uh, and it's it, disheartening. I understand, like being three zero down, it's uh, and away, it's a tough thing to step up to. But but you don't want to go down like that, even Philly, who we'll get on to in a minute. They didn't go down like that, and you know they're in a similar situation. And mm. Toronto are arguably more experienced. You know they have, well. I say they have. They've won two games against the Cavs in uh, the playoffs in the last three years, which is ridiculous. Um, but like, there, there was nobody on that Raptors team going into this series that scared me, and it, and it kind of it, it it was deceiving really because the Raptors I thought handled the Wizards really really well. Um, the two games that they obviously broke out, games five and six, to win those ones, they won those at a cakewalk. And I think it was quite an impressive way to to end that series. They go in against Cleveland, and it just you know they had a gap. It just looked like they'd you know forgotten they were supposed to play in the next round. Like, and to go up that big in game one, where everything was going right for them, and then it just all went so horribly wrong. Fair enough. Like you you're you have an over well you don't have an over reliance, but you have a reliance on your bench. But to to take your best player out in like game three when you're down, it's it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I think that's that is ultimately why Dwayne Casey, if he goes anywhere, will be like you've got you've got the fact that he took Demar Derozan out. Yes, I know he was having a bad game, but you know players play through it. That's why they're great players. Um, and I think you have him on the floor. It gives it just gives you more options. Okay, so in terms of improving this roster, they've got a lot of money under contract. That's the problem they've got. <laughs> so, so what do you, do you think the way to fix it is a front office change? Is a coaching change because that's not what I think. No, I, well, no, I'm I'm not agreeing with. I think Dwayne Casey's coach of the year. I don't think he. I think what he's done with this unit is fantastic. I think this is purely down to the mentality of the players, and I don't think it's down to those bench players and those, the, the, you know, those guys, those key guys who were so impactful for them this season. This, the entire blame for the losing this series goes upon probably Demar Derozan, which it shouldn't, and because he's your best player and you've paid him the most money. Like Carl Lowry comes out there, but my point is, if you get rid of these two guys, where are you going to be next season? Like fighting for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, like. Yeah, probably. It isn't worth it. You, you've unfortunately you've got to stick with them, and I, the only way they're going to get around, if it is some sort of mentality flaw, is maybe just to change the way the organization's running at the moment. Like Masai Ujiri's done a, an excellent job there, as he has done everywhere he's been. Dwayne Casey's had a great year, but maybe it is coming to the point where he's taken these guys as far as as, he can, as, as far as he can go. Like I think they've got a, I think. In OG Ananobi, they've got a real true two-way player, and I think he's going to come in and next year and have a, a another big year. They've got a great bench. If Fred Van Vliet hadn't been injured, I think this could have been a bit of a different story, because um, he was he was playing really well and he came in with obviously the the shoulder injury. But th- I don't know what they do here. I mean, Serge Barker's getting a lot of hate as well because he was having up and down moments in the series, but. Truth be told, like he came in in game three and made some massive plays for them and dragged them right back into the game. Like 
two out of the four games they were right in this or they had the chance to win it and they didn't um so i don't know if we could be overreacted in terms of saying blow it up but i don't know where I, they go <laughs> i i think they need to explore options this summer in or do you get rid of carl lowry because he thinks he's the top 10 point guard and he isn't I, th- I think carl lowry is um deteriorating due to age now yeah um I think DeRozan, though, is where I would be looking as my first port of call because he is—he should be setting this team's identity. He's the guy who should be setting the standard. He's the guy who should be leading them. He's the tone maker, and yeah. Yeah, and if he's not setting that tone, if he's not stepping up at that point, then his value is diminished as the star of a franchise. I, I would... I would certainly see what's out there for him. I would. I'm not, and you, I don't think you get like for like back. So I think, you know, this is just completely speculating. But there's 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 stories bubbling about someone not being happy in San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. I would maybe look at exploring something like Serge and DeRozan for that because you know that Pop could get both of them playing at a slightly different level to what they are now. Um, I'm not saying that would ever going to happen, but I'm saying there are options out there that I would look to explore and package these guys as a two for one. Yeah, look, you know, people might not take it because Ibaka's on a, a massive contract. Um, and how old's Ibaka now? He's well, he's 28, but he seems to have regressed earlier. Yeah, he seems to have been in the league forever as well. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would look. To, I would explore those options. I'm not saying they would happen because they. It depends what their goal is because ultimately. If their goal, if they're content with with being a great regular season team and then having a couple of rounds in the playoffs each year, then fine, keep running it back until the contracts expire and you mm. have to rebuild anyway. But if you want something more, this clearly isn't it. And I don't think the issue is uh, in th- this year. I do not think the issue is Dwayne Casey. No, I th- no, I don't. Th- I don't think it is either. But someone, someone is going to be the full guy for this, and sure. I can't imagine it being your star player. Um, I mean, it, no. It, well, this it, it could be Carl Lowry because he's a little bit arrogant and gets on some people's nerves sometimes, and he thinks he's a lot better than he perhaps actually is. Um, he's had a phenomenal ter- like run in Toronto. I mean, he lost so much weight the last couple of years and really leaned up, and you know, became one of the guys that they could rely on and shoulder him. And and f- all credit to him like this playoff series he's he was their best player like i said earlier but somebody's What's gonna crazy go. is how late he broke out as a as a star as well yeah i remember he's a role player in houston for a while but yeah so houston before that memphis he's been in the league 11 years it's just and he didn't really break out until what toronto 2014 well they, they they showed faith in him which is ultimately what you want franchises to do it's like demar's come out and said before that he would quite like to be a one franchise guy with the contract he's on the moment i wouldn't be surprised if he is the one who stays but if you're gonna if the, the easiest option i think to not just dismantle any of the team the way it is is to take Dwayne casey out the the, the you know the equation but yeah, it's always easier to get rid of the coach. Yeah, I'm not sure that that helps you, especially if there's a, a, probably a distinct lack of options that you'd think of immediate replacements. I think Dwayne Casey would get a job on any of the teams below the in the Eastern Conference, like just like that, snapping his fingers. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they did get rid of him. They suddenly start sniffing around someone like Stan Van Gundy, but I think he'd want too much power. Yeah, 
and it's the power that you want. But with Masai in there, you 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 know, it's so just many head coaching roles this summer, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> it's pro- it's proper, you know, everyone's changing places, which is really weird because I'm sure ESPN did an article at the start of the season talking about how there wasn't a lot of coach coach firings like in the last. Season. Yeah, there hadn't been like, <laughs> the past couple of years. There'd been hardly any, and and now all of a sudden there's just been like there must be like almost close to double figures since the season ended. Yeah. And, and we've still got a couple more coaches who will lose their jobs after the playoffs. But it's like you look at it from a wide, like a wider franchise perspective. It's There's so much, so many different cogs that have to go right for you to to win. Like The problem everybody in Eastern Conference has got right now is LeBron James. Is in it. <laughs> so that's going to cause you problems. But then you've got to go out and you've got to you know, you've got to find, you know, one or two, maybe even three, if you're lucky, star players who are happy playing together. Then you've got to get a role, you know, a bunch of role players to go around them. You have to have a defined starting five in the NBA. And that's the biggest problem I think the Raptors have had in this series is they haven't really had a defined starting five. Like, they didn't even put their five best players on the floor for many stages in this series. And that is not helpful and then like in terms of the the office and the front office situations like Masai Ujiri's done wonders with with what he's he's done Dwayne Casey's you know got the best out of that unit but they the Raptors especially like certainly the last five years they've almost tried to rebrand themselves and remake themselves as a franchise because for so long they were just known as that franchise that Vince Carter left and Mm -hmm. now they've turned themselves in like they spoke to you know, I'm a I work in marketing. Like they, they went out and contacted Sid Lee, who's a famous marketing and design company, and like they completely reworked their look and their brand and their feel. And then Drake came in as like the the global ambassador, ambassador. Yeah. and they opened up Toronto as being this great city that everybody wanted to come and play at. And it hasn't happened. It didn't happen when Vince Carter was there, and it hasn't happened now that they've got the best team in Eastern Conference. Players still don't want to go and play in Toronto, and that's the biggest problem they've got. So if you rebuild, you have to rebuild through the draft, or you have to rebuild through trades. And somewhere there's a somewhere in that equation, there's a you know a compromise to be made because are you going to get back what you want to get back for the players that you're getting rid of, or? are those players that are there willing to be bad enough for you to get a, a good enough draft pick? I think that's a, a good point. Uh, on, the, on that note, shout out to the uh, the Carter documentary you put me on to. Oh, yes, was, Netflix. That was really, really good, the, the Carter effect. I think Watch that's LeBron, LeBron James's um, influ- influence yeah. on Interrupted, yeah. No, I um I, I was randomly saw it on Facebook. It said going on uh going on Facebook today, and I went <gasps> and I went and I'd look, and it was there. Um, yeah, worth a watch on Netflix if you've got it. Moving on to uh, I think well, first of all, Cleveland. I mean, how far can they go? Are they going all the way to the finals now? I wouldn't be surprised if they did. They were my pick at the start of the season. I've stuck hard and fast with them despite some very uh, squeaky bum moments. <laughs> um, the the Celtics are surprising me right now, though, and that's that's what I, I'm sat there just going, how are they functioning at this higher level? Um, LeBron is capable of winning a series on his own. We know that. We, he's been doing it for, for years now. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if they're, they're in the finals again. I really wouldn't. I think the most interesting finals matchup, who was I talking to yesterday about this? It might have been today. Uh, <laughs> all it's all, faded, all blurred into one when the bank gone <laughs> I think the most interesting finals and most competitive finals matchup would be Boston and Houston. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> yeah. that's what it's going to end up as. I think I think it's probably going to be 
uh, the finals part four. Joy. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, 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 I. Sorry, go ahead. I I, I think um, the Cleveland have set the precedent and the barrier, and LeBron said this season that like, you know he's he's rested himself for the occasions where the Cavs need an influence the most, and he's certainly done that in the four games against the Raptors. Like every time he need they needed. You know him to make a big a big play. He he made it, and he obviously did. They have did the same in um against the Pacers. But the biggest thing for me is the confidence is growing with the rest of the team for the Cavaliers. They're yep. all the all the role players are finally getting into into their rhythm. And the biggest except reason, Rodney the, Hood. except Rodney Hood, yeah. Um, the biggest reason that the the Raptors the, the the Cavs won this series so easily was because you had twenty and ten from Kevin Love every night. And mm-hmm. you had influences from J.R. Smith. Like, it doesn't necessarily contribute on the floor, but it's how vocal he is. Like, you can hear him when you watch the game. Like, you can hear him yelling at, you know, guard DeRozan, guard Lowry. And then you see him on the bench patting on guys back. Like, they've they've actually started to build this chemistry, which we all thought they were going to, you know, eventually end up with. And it's it's happening now a lot sooner than I think people were necessarily expecting. And it's because they've faced adversity in that first round. That's poss- the Pacers series is possibly the best thing that could have happened to this Cavaliers side because now they're they're getting into matchups, especially with like the Raptors, and they are looking for the weakest link on the, the other team and they're exploiting it to the to the absolute max. And that's what they were doing. Like you had Carl Lowry guarding Kevin Love for many, many, many post ups in that game. Yeah. And that was a disaster because Kevin Love's got <laughs> this ridiculous hook that just always seems to go in and People forget that he was an MVP caliber player when he was in Minnesota and he has that spark in him. He hit big shots in the series and then they've got the influences of Carl Corver and J.R. Smith and like Jeff Green for all the crap he's been given. Like he's played pretty well in the series and they're they're rounding into form at the right time. But yeah, Rodney Hood, I don't know what was going on with him, refusing to come in when, you know, you got a massive yeah, that, lead. That's interesting. Like, I can understand why you'd be disappointed. He's expected better things of himself. We've expected better things from him, even when he <laughs> yeah, was you in might Utah. be on the court if you were doing something useful. <laughs> yeah, it's like the past three years, every year, I swear I've gone, this is it, Rodney Hood's breakout season, and <laughs> no, and, and then he refuses to come into the game. It's just like I understand that he's probably frustrated that he hasn't been getting minutes, mm. but he probably ought to realize and, and be sort of self aware enough to, to see that he has struggled on the floor and other guys are stepping up now in his absence. So he he's not going to get the opportunities. You'd have thought that with seven and a half minutes, yes, it's a blowout win. What a great chance to just get a bit of a, you know, a, bit, a few reps under you and try and get into a rhythm because yeah, get some they might need him in the next round. And it just, I don't understand why you would do that at this juncture. For the, for the money you're on, why? Why, yeah. why? I just don't. I just don't get it. I honestly don't. Um, and it's strange because you look at the reserves from that game last night, and like you'd think he'd probably be the most. Well, he'd be one of the most experienced and best players to have coming off the bench in that situation. But the the, the role players on the Cavs now are finally realizing that when they need when they're on, they could be on for eight minutes. They could be on for twelve minutes. They could be on for twenty minutes. They need to be doing something, something mm-hmm. that helps LeBron James and Kevin Love. You know, space the floor, get the. The, the the situations and the matchups that they need. Seti Osman had a good game last night. He played twenty odd minutes. Like that would never happen, but it's purely because they had a massive lead. And then Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., like the guys we mentioned that were going to come in and be good role players, have been that. They are the energy boost off the bench. And some nights you get, you know, 
five points, ten points from from either of them. You, you don't quite know. They're a bit of a mixed bag, but the the impact is there. Rodney Hood hasn't hasn't been that. Um, so it's a bit Rod- of a shame. Rodney Hood could be similar to a Kyle Korver role. Yeah, but but more impactful on defense. Obviously, not as great a three point shooter. But that's exactly what he should be doing on this team. And yet, you've got Kyle Korver who you know started some of this series and has gone from playing like two minutes in some games to, to playing to 28 30 minutes. minutes yeah. <laughs> and it's just like that's and the guy's ready and waiting to go and it pays dividends because he just he just floats around on the wings and, and drops 16 points and he had I try to think who he got with a so he got someone with a flyby yesterday he he, he jabs left from the bottom left corner and I think it was DeRozan went sweeping past him to try and block the drive and or to try and cut off the drive and I was just like hold on a sec that's Kyle Korver he's not driving why, why <laughs> would you ever fall for that and all he did was take one jab step left then watch DeRozan skid past him and just pull up for the three and I was just like DeRozan was not aware of the scouting report on that no game. that yeah that's another thing that separates a lot of the players like some of the Cavs guys you can kind of tell they've taken lebron's influence to hand and you know reviewed the scouting reports and watched film on the players they're playing against because they know where they're going to go um i'm not entirely sure the raptors or at least some of the raptors um did that but yeah like it's been it's been the faith in uh in, in tyron Lou to just play with the guys who've been there and done that like George Hill's been in big playoff games, so they've they've got him in playing thirty minutes now. He's back and healthy. J.R. Smith, Corver. He looked good as well that, for the first quarter. Yeah. And very very good. It's it's a nice lineup to have, and it's it's good options. And then you bring sort of the youth and the, the spark off the bench, and you know Tristan Thompson's been impactful when he's been on, which is what you've what he's always been. But anyway, we need to get off this this series because we've we've been on it a long while. <laughs> too long, too long for a sweep. Um, Boston Philly game four was was last night. Um, the the seventy sixers managed to stave off elimination by winning the game one hundred three to ninety two in uh in Philly. It, this was a scrappy one. It, it, it tipped off at eleven o'clock UK time, which was good for me because it meant I could watch the first half. Um, so I watched I watched the first half and then watched the second half tonight after I finished work and. I mean, this was a scrappy game. 51 combined fouls, 23 turnovers, neither team shot over 41%. Like, it was just... A throwback. S- it was a throwback game, and Kevin McHale was really getting into it on the uh, the colour commentary. Like, he was he was enjoying it. It was like it was going back to his glory days. <laughs> was it him who got... It was him, wasn't it? Got clotheslined by Kurt Rambis. <laughs> very famous. Yeah, it wasn't quite as, as physical as that. No, um... um Terry Rozier did did try and punch Joel Embiid a couple of times, couple of but times. couldn't reach him. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is a great quote. And I'm just like, why are you getting involved anyway? It's like, come on now, seven footer. You, yeah, I loved it. Like, it's the, the, te- uh, what was it? No, it wasn't double technical, was it? It was a double something foul. Yeah, they both got a foul. Like, there's been so many little things in this series that have just made it, you know, worth the. The matchup. First of all, it's great to have these two historic teams back playing each other. It's even better that there's a lot of young guys and that they're going to take this over into like the next year and the year after that. And this is going to be a thing. Like Jalen Brown's been unbelievable for for the Celtics. Like coming back in, Jason Tatum has been ridiculous. Um, yeah, and getting like for a guy who's been vocally quiet all season, he's not one of these outgoing kind of. Rah, he's got guys. a swagger. <laughs> yeah, what was it? He almost he, he the dunk on uh, the almost dunk on Embiid. Yeah, where it, it rimmed out, and he was just like you, just on the slow mo, just staring at him, going, "You got lucky." I was just like, "Oh, he's going for scalps." He's 
Yeah, he he proper uh, pump faked out Simmons talent. as well. Like it was, it was le- he was on the left hand side baseline drive, like faked one way, went round his back, and then ended up laying it in. And like Simmons had no idea where where he'd even gone. And it, it, you know he led led the Celtics last night in scoring with twenty points. Marcus Morris had seventeen. His brother was watching on from the stands in a Celtics Celtics jersey. That was a bit yes, eerie. Yes, I did see that. Um, <laughs> I, I did a double take at first. I was like, what? He's got a... <laughs> I thought he, I thought he'd just gone and sat in the stands for, you know, a kind of uh, old throwback to what the Morris brothers probably would have done at one time. Um, but no, he was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was good to see him there. Yeah. Uh, they, I I just I'm amazed at how well these Celtics are playing Brad and how easily they just <laughs> flip guys in and out of the system. Yeah, it's just, it's it's scary. And to and and speaking of scary, you have got scary Terry Rosier like coming in in game one and Terry. two having big impacts. Like to, you know you know <laughs> like people were even weighing up on like the ringer at the start of the week who you value more, whether you you got Kyrie's massive contract or you go with this, you know scary Terry or or Marcus Smart, but like it's They've got such a wealth of riches. It's it's it must be fun being a Celtics fan at the moment. Like it's, and they they play like like going into the series. I genuinely didn't think they'd be able to compete with Philly on the offensive end, but mm-hmm. they've grinded it out so much and they've taken away like Simmons's best traits, which are obviously his ability to score under the basket and from close up. And that they've completely cut out the perimeter game for, for Philly. They really struggled. Um, and you know Brett Bowne wasn't really making the greatest of decisions coaching wise. Um, last night I'll give, we'll give, we'll give him, you know gotta give him some credit. Like T.J. McConnell was thrown into the starting lineup and it made a massive difference. Um, yeah, he had a career high nineteen points, seven rebounds, and five assists. It's his second and start of the a, season. He's just a pest. He is, and he's well, all he over the place. <laughs> Rosier from full court, like almost every possession. Just like I mean, I've I've liked watching him play for. Yeah, uh, you've mentioned it before. Bef- yeah, before Philly were good. So, well, that's not that long ago, was it? So, a couple of years ago, I think it was might have been even before Embiid was playing. Yeah. I was just like flicking through on league pass. And when he comes into the game, he just changes the Ener- energy. Energy. It's it's similar to Tyler Johnson in Miami for me. Uh, they're, they're both guys who just come in and just hustle and work their ass off. And he's just, yeah, fair play to him. He came in and he delivered. I mean, some of the, the layups he was making just looked so ungainly. And just like, how did he get into those spaces? I I did chuckle when he did. Do you see the hand thing? Oh like, yeah, where he's running <laughs> running down the court, looking at his right hand. Yeah, because he made a layup. I was just like, oh my! And he he spoke about it in his uh, the presser afterwards, and was like, it's probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, it's just uh, yeah, fair fair play to to the co- well yeah coaching decision to to make a change like that for a guy who has only started one game this year. And he's used as an impact player off the bench. Um, fair play for to Robert Covington for not throwing his toys out of the plan, uh, pram for getting benched. And then a massive <laughs> fair play to TJ McConnell for just actually like fulfilling what he was supposed to be doing out there. It was it was huge. It was really good. Yeah, and one of the the big changes we noticed last night was Dario Saric getting really aggressive and you know not going for that perimeter game which had failed them in the previous three games and just driving it inside constantly and 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 when it did come to it like Saric hit his one three of the night but it completely reversed the game style for him and yeah Ben's like and it's it's strange because like you go into what was it was it game two when Ben Simmons had like one point or something ridiculous um they've they've Brad Stevens (laughs) has clearly honed in on the fact that 
he can't shoot. <laughs> yeah. So they, they've it's they've exactly taken it. they've they've completely taken it away from him. They go under every screen like they it's stick just, Horford on him. Yeah, and and, that's, and and physically Horford is. I don't know if he's bigger actually, but he he's certainly at this point he's he's stronger, and he's seriously mobile and, as well. Yeah, and he's he's an intelligent, versatile defender. He's he's almost ideal for stopping Simmons, and it's just it's scary that that it's taken this long for for people to do this, given that it's well we, we've known all season. Yeah, the lack of this jump shot, but it's just like it, it's a glaring sort of guess what Simmons needs to work on this summer because the minute he can step outside, that's the minute that someone like Horford can't defend him mm. because there's no way Horford's coming out there because he he can't offer the secondary help um, by sagging off. Uh, when the ball's not in Simmons' hands, and he can't, he couldn't keep out, uh, couldn't keep up with Simmons if he had to to push up more to the three point line. Um, definitely needs to work on his jump shot. Yeah, and once he gets that, it's it's kind of like it's eerily similar to to watching LeBron's growth as a player. Like LeBron has worked on his three point shot throughout his entire career to the point where this season I think he had a better shooting percentage than Steph Curry for like most of the season. Which is yeah. um, which is, is quite frankly unbelievable when you consider that Steph Curry's like you know known for one thing and it's shooting the three. Yeah, but, but to um, be fair, Steph does shoot from about forty foot nine yeah. times a game. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is that is fair. But like going into the series, I just assumed that Philly would have so much offensively. Like they shot the three really well against Miami. Like they set several of their own scoring records for three pointers made in that series and. I just could not picture like Boston having having enough to stop them, but it speaks, you know, it shows you so much how flexible this this team is. Like even mm-hmm. you've got Shane Larkin coming in making big plays and Semi Ojale is making big plays, and the, like all their forwards are athletic. Like you know they're quite pacey forwards. Like despite the fact some of them are sizable guys, like they can guard everybody and. It just must be a nightmare to to game plans against them because you're playing against them, who obviously all giving they're all giving it all, and then you've got Brad Stevens, who's constantly, every single play is adjusting, and like he seems to call timeouts at the perfect moments to stop the other team's momentum or to just stop the Boston Celtics from like, you know, losing their grip on things. And he got a technical last night, which I thought was a bit funny because um, <laughs> it looked like. It basically looked like um, Jalen Brown was was going to get get subbed out because I think he picked up his fifth foul and then he got told he was staying in, which you know is showing immense faith in in a young guy. And that's one of the big things you've seen with Brad Stevens is the faith he has in the young guys. Jason Tatum's out there averaging like thirty five minutes a night in the playoff series, and you know they're being rewarded for it. Yeah, fifth, fifth guy under twenty one to put up two hundred points in the playoffs. I think it was. Le- oh, let's see if I can remember it. I'm sure it was basketball reference earlier. Joining Magic Johnson, I want to say LeBron, I want to say Kobe, and Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, there's some really good company there. And like, not saying that Bradley Beal isn't co- good no, company, no. but I was like, just a whole different level. Like, wow, Bradley Beal has 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 done that as well. Yeah. Um, Game yeah. Game Five and uh, is in is in Boston on um on on Thursday morning at one o'clock our time. Um, how do you think this one goes down? I mean, Boston at home in the Garden. I, I can't really see it going any other way. But if Philly play like they played last night, then it could be a whole so, different story because they really got under the skin of the of the Celtics last night. And you know, Embiid was was snapping at everybody, and Simmons was was also snapping at people. And then you had McConnell just out there, like you said, being a complete and utter 
pest. Um, so I think it's, I think they've got it in them, but whether they do it two night two games in a row is a big question. Well, it, it's I, I think Boston are the clear favourites at home and three one up. No one's ever come back from three 0 down. But what I liked, and and this is where again, let's go back to the Raptors and the Cavs, but ever ever so briefly, <laughs> back three 0 down, back to the wall. Look at the way that the seventy six have responded versus the way the Raptors have responded. Scrap for and everything. Is, exactly, and this is a team led by, for want of a better description, led by kids, twenty year old and a twenty one year old. It's 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 Embiid and Simmons, and and they are like they're here, they will fight until they're. Until they're put down, basically, and they're just, yeah, I, I think they'll if they're, they're going to roll over now in Game Five, aren't they? Completely. Yeah. Did you did, thirty point blowout? Did you see um Mark, Marcus Morris having a go at um Embiid and Morris was just like giving him the three and O, like yeah, yeah. every every time, and Embiid was like, "We're in your head." He's like, "You're not." <laughs> I mean, they, we we thought they were the favourites coming into this series. I say we, I certainly did. They've just been shut down by a team which have been adapting all season. I'm not surprised they won one game at home. I'd have thought they'd probably gone back 2-2. So, but going back to Boston now, I, I do not see them coming coming back to Philadelphia for game six. Yeah, it's it's great having the Sixers back in the playoffs, actually, because that arena is is buzzing. It's um like the, yeah. the, the, good, the great atmosphere in there, so... When, when the fans turn up, when the fans turn up, place. yeah. <laughs> well, they're not tanking anymore, so you know. Yeah. And when you've got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to watch, then you know. It, and we've said it so many times already, but like in the brief glimpses that we've seen of Ben Simmons already, it already looks like he's the next big superstar. So he just needs to round out his game, and and then Brad Stevens won't be able to take advantage of him. Um, <laughs> right, Warriors Pelicans. Um, this series is currently three one to the defending champs. Game four, um, Kevin Durant had 38 points. And his, his shooting chart was ridiculous that night. It's so many mid-range twos. Um, and it's almost like the Warriors have changed their whole game plan going into this series. But obviously, Pelicans took that game, that, um, that game three, big big night from Anthony Davis. But going back to the, you know, the game five, I, th- I think the series is over. I think the Warriors have figured it out. Steph Curry came back and obviously had a monstrous his first point in that game when he came back was a, <laughs> was a stupid three as well yeah when he when he curled off the screen and just launched as soon as he caught it um yeah great great return for him what I've, what i've loved about this pick your poison this series yeah so we saw drew holiday and rondo beat up on the smaller blazers guards yeah and we saw Davis, as you would expect, beat up on on Nurkic with by outsizing him, and so game one, you know, Curry still wasn't back yet. The Warriors go and do what the Warriors are the only team capable of doing, and I'm I think I still think Kevin Durant, if you were to put him in a position as a small forward, so they play basically four small forwards and Draymond Green is how they start the game. Yeah, because Clay, well, Clay's a two guard obviously, but so they don't start a point, they don't have a center. And yet they go out and just like just make they make a mockery of what traditional basketball positions are. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, yeah, uh, you just can't. They're just too good. Anytime you've got a seven footer in KD like with that skill set, that's just well, it's just unthinkable. There is no one else you can compare at that height with those abilities. And it's just he's just an incredible player. No, it is. Yeah, 
it's getting increasingly more difficult to talk about this team the more we, we watch them play because they are they rewrite the rules almost every night it seems. It doesn't seem to matter what lineup they play, they they can come out and they can beat anybody on any given night by a good, you know, double digit lead. Like it's it's not difficult for them. But I mean you've got to give the Pelicans their credit to take a game. Um it mm-hmm. is, is seriously impressive. Rondo, I think twenty one assists that night. I honestly forgot how good his court vision is. We give him so much crap, (laughs) but some of his passes. I think he threw a bounce pass right down the middle of uh, middle of the the paint from from the essentially the top of the key. And but it was just the way he did it. Like it was almost like um, from behind his head. uh, I think must have been game three. I just I just sat there and just I just went. Oh yeah, I forgot that this guy at one point was meant to be the next big thing. He bounced it through Nurkic's legs in the first round. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he's just yeah. For for all his his faults as a as a player, wow, he, he can he can pass. Mm. It's it's it, yeah. I I I can't see them. They're, they're not going to win another game. Um, it, it goes it, it goes it goes back to Oakland and they'll they'll shut it down. But. It's like I was but, just, it's picky poison with this team. Like Durant goes off for forty, Steph still has twenty three. Like you know, you there's it. This is all going to come down to this matchup that is going to happen against the Rockets, where we will see just how far they they can adapt and and come up with something new. Because obviously Houston's been built to beat them at the three point game, and you know the Warriors. I read earlier on that the Warriors are actually shooting the the worst percentage from downtown out of all the teams that are left in the playoffs. So it'd be interesting to see if that suddenly spikes in the next round against a team that is obviously built to to do that a lot. Um, well, I can tell you, but they're shooting the mid range like an unbelievably high level. So who's left in? So the Pelicans currently at left in a hit in point what thirty six point one percent. Boston thirty six. Utah is still in at thirty five point nine. Cavs are still in at thirty five point one. The Rockets thirty four point two. The Warriors thirty three point six. And then 76ers are 33.5, but yeah, within sniffing distance of being one of the worst, well, they're the, in the bottom two. Yeah. But that's just the way that the, the Pelicans have, have game-panned around it. Like, they've, they've got lengthy athletic guys, and that's it's forcing, you know, Durant and Clay to pull up from the mid-range, and, like, you can't stop Durant in the mid-range. <laughs> we've, we've, we've learned that over the last five years. Like, even when he was in OKC, that was the one thing that he was ridiculously you know efficient at and to do what he did the other night to to shoot the way he did in 36 minutes 38 points like to outshine Steph Curry like it's taken it in turns but I can see it being a problem like when it gets to the Rockets games like you know who do we rely who who do you rely on I mean can you over rely on Kevin Durant can you over rely on Steph Curry you can do and the minute one of them doesn't perform you've then got Steph followed by Clay. <laughs> followed by someone like Nick Young followed by Draymond yeah it's just ridiculous Nick Young you starting playoff about... games that's just weird I <laughs> oh, know that's correct not not just starting playoff games starting playoff games on a championship contending <laughs> team that's crazy swaggy but, uh, you, you mentioned uh, the three point shooting uh, just go, just going back to that um, and, and the mid range from Durant there was a great article a few months back about how the Warriors were going back to the mid-range more and we're yeah. becoming really really effective at it so in terms of three-point attempts out of the eight remaining playoff teams or seven now because the raptors have gone home yeah. um they rank uh sixth yeah. in three-pointers attempted so they're not even taking that many 
it's just you know they're a full ten behind Houston, but to be fair, everyone else is about eight behind. I was going to say Houston <laughs> shot so many. I think they average like fifty a game or something in the regular season. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're down to forty now. They're obviously yeah winding it in a bit, but it's just they, this is an incredibly efficient team, and when they move the ball, they are. It's just fantastic to watch. I can't like there was a few possessions yesterday where they just do these. These single like the, the the ball's in the hands for maybe a second before it's made past the next person, pass, pass, pass. And you get people like Egudala who who will sit there and go there was a play uh sorry, two nights ago where he caught the ball on the wing, open three, and he just stood there holding it, pointing at the block. And then the whole all three of the Pels went, Oh, he's pointing at the block. Everyone must be they must be running a play there. <laughs> three of them collapsed there. And left Steph Curry in in the corner for the highest percentage three point shot ever it's just like the shortest distance the best shooter of all time and he's open yeah okay it's just uh yeah they're they're incredibly uh intelligent and and team orientated group of guys it's it's really good fun to watch don't think we talked about them enough this year no if we didn't maybe because of the injuries yeah it was but this team, I, I, I'm really. I think the best. I said earlier, the best finals would be Houston, uh, Boston. That the the best playoff series is will be the Rockets Houston Warriors. And, the Warriors. Yeah. and it should be the final. Adam Silver, I know you're listening. You always do. <laughs> I've said this before. You need you need to to realign the conferences. Get rid of it. That just this this should be the final. In my opinion. No, I, 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 they've been two best teams throughout the whole season, so it, it makes perfect sense. But it must be nice to be Steve Kerr and have such an embarrassment of riches, and then to take a team that is known for changing the way the perimeter is 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 played, and then suddenly switch it back a bit and make the mid range game your priority. And because teams are still paranoid that you're going to be shooting threes on them all the time, so it's a toss up. Like, where do you want to be killed from, basically? Yeah. <laughs> It's 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 brilliant, and like, I th- I think like even though, even though they're probably going to go out four one, mm. the Pelicans themselves to to have revamped themselves on the fly, having lost Cousins, brought in Miritich, they probably shouldn't be here, and I have I've slated Gentry many times on this pod over the past year and a half, but he's done a heck of a job this year, re- keeping that team going and making them. Like, um, um, well, putting them into a position where they're much better than they should have been. Mm. I, if if they lose four one, I'd be happy with that because this team still has it. Like the way they're playing now, the fact that DMC could be back, um, even though they're rumored to be offering him less than the max. This this is this is an exciting franchise to be part of. It'll be interesting to see whether it's one of these just single season, you know, lightning in a bottle moments, or whether it is actually a sustained thing but it's good to see Anthony Davis playing decent playoff basketball yeah and I mentioned earlier about you you know Toronto want you need this you need players to want to play with the stars and I think that the Pelicans should have that as well like you should want to play with Anthony Davis he's that good he's proven he's that good like he they they battered the Blazers like they they embarrassed (laughs) the Portland Trail Blazers and They've gone in and, you know, there's been several moments in the game against the Warriors where you, you think, hang on, a few more, you know, really good players, good role players, or maybe another star, and they could really 
give these guys a run for their money. That's why it's so interesting to see if they do bring back DeMarcus Cousins because they, they matched up pretty well when they played the Warriors in the regular season um, this year because they have the one thing the Warriors don't have and that's a lot of size. And they've got mm-hmm. athletic forwards you know, and centres who can can cover everywhere and that's the way the league's going at the moment. Like David Fisdale was... Um, was introduced as the next coach yesterday and he was asked about Chris, Chris Aspazingas and he said, you know, I'm delighted. This is what everybody wants. Like, this is, if you're a coach, you, these are the dream players. They are the next generation of forwards. Like, they, they can, they're so athletic and they've got good pace. They can get out and guard the perimeter, but they can also bang inside with the other big guys and that's what you want and that's what New Orleans have, have built their team around to readjust on the fly like they have done and to have big minutes from from the likes of, you know, Drew Holiday's had a phenomenal year after everything that he went through last season. And then you've got Ian Clark coming off the bench and Miritich, like what a move that was. Like we knew he was a good player, but I think he's proved it in New Orleans. Um, he was one of the big reasons they torched the Blazers as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and they've done an exceptional job and it's probably time that we apologise because we have spent many times on the podcast slagging off the uh, the Smoothie King Centre and the New Orleans Pelicans and how poorly they oh, they, they, have... they they were they were run but they've they've seemed to be sorting things out at the moment. Do they have that ba- that cupcake baby king they did. as well? They did. That was oh, the God. scariest mascot ever. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah I'm glad that that he's disappeared. Yeah I sit there I was thinking if they can keep hold of Miritich and Demarcus Cousins, Miritich can play the three uh, and can you imagine a front line of those three guys. Well, they can all hit the three as well. <laughs> they, 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 they can all play from outside. They can all get inside and, and bang and rebound. And it's just suddenly like you'd, you'd effectively, like Miritich isn't a unicorn by any stretch, but you'd have two oh. unicorns and then a guy who's a good, you know, stretch three. Yeah. And that's why Rondo's like almost the perfect fit for that system because he, you don't want him shooting. So for, to have him as a pure facilitator... And to yeah. give the other four guys the best, you know, the best possible option is, is what you want. And I mean, we can't speak highly enough of Anthony Davis to do what he did in the second half of the season after Demarcus went down, would be enough in any other season to win him an MVP award. But you know, that's probably not going to happen. But they had, they've had a great year. Um, it is going to end pretty soon, I think. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on. Um, the first round series. I don't think we're really going to talk about those. Maybe we can talk about them a bit more. Um, later on after we've done some of the conference finals and stuff because obviously we've got like the debates the discussions to have about Oklahoma and you know the Indiana Pacers and what next for the Wizards like there's so much we could talk about and it's one of the things me and you were thinking about when we came on tonight it was like oh my god how are we going to cover like two three weeks worth of stuff that we we kind of missed but Again, I apologise. I'm sorry. It's not your fault, is it? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, last week, there was so much to talk about last week. It's it's, it's crazy how, at this point in the season, despite the fact that the games have... have, Are spaced out more and there's less of them. Yeah. There's just so much to cover because season's end... Well, like I say, we we were supposed to pod last week. Since then, we've moved on in another round and we've... Well, well, we've flown for a round because yeah. these have been not very competitive. And yeah, and this round looks like it's going to fly through as well. It's just we might even get the finals earlier than June at this rate. Yeah, it's, um, it's just a bit. Yeah. It sucks a little bit. Like if if you're the NBA, and you're like, oh god, we've got all these four ones and th- four and the four nothings. Like it's 
as, as Again, I can't imagine it's what to, you want. They could re- they need to realign the conferences. It'll get rid of all of that. And I know that he's a savvy businessman. Is uh, listener Adam Silver? Um, he he knows that more games means more revenue, means higher salary cap and greater profitability for teams. So why wouldn't he want there to be a more competitive? You know, do the math. Yeah, do the math. <laughs> um, obviously, like we mentioned earlier, Warriors Pelicans is is tonight. Rockets Jazz is is also tonight. The bummer, the bummer for that one is uh, that Dante Exum's not playing. He's been phenomenal. Yeah. His defense has been phenomenal on James Harden. Um, mm-hmm. Big things for him. Anyway, please check out the website doubleclutch.uk. We've had we're going to have a couple of um, bits and bobs. Hopefully, go up this week. I know um, Josh Coyne, one of our lead writers, has, has, has wrote something on Aaron Baines and him getting the posterized quite a lot recently um so so that'll be up at some point probably but when it, well it, it will be on the website when you hear the show um I, I don't know if there's anything else we've we've got to to talk about really uh, i think we've hit everything no i don't think so i think we've cut, we, we've brought everyone up to speed apart from that that gray area of last week where no one knows what happens now because we haven't talked about it. Yeah, it's all right. There's there's plenty of um of NBA websites and podcasts and everything for to fill to fill the gaps. There's, there's not. There's only one place to go. Doubleclutch.uk. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's very uh, very honest. <laughs> um, Facebook is uh, facebook.com forward slash doubleclutchuk. Twitter is at doubleclutchuk as usual. If you're watching games, please do remember to tweet us and use hashtag MBNUK. We do keep our eye out. Um, for a lot of them, and some of the, you know, it was a travel, it wasn't a travel references that we get. They, they, they it keep wasn't us, a travel. Keep us amused. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll be back, hopefully, on Monday with, a, with another podcast and probably the uh, conference finals to discuss. Definitely. That's exciting, isn't it? That, that actually is. <laughs> right, catch you guys soon. <laughs>